Welcome, everyone. It's a wrap with rap. I'm your host, Ron Rappaport. This podcast features people who have overcome life's challenges and adversities, people who can inspire, motivate, and educate us on an assortment of topics. My guest today is Dorothy Graham O'Dell. Dorothy is here today to share her incredible journey to a life without limits. She has authored the book, The Overcomer, Facing Challenges with Faith and Courage. Dorothy will talk to us about her being bullied in school, having low self-esteem and self-worth, overcoming an abusive uh, relationship and family tragedies and trauma. Dorothy has spent many years living her life as others wanted her to. She has found out how to be authentic to herself, and she has overcome so she can help others to do the same. By sharing her story with us, hopefully we will become overcomers to our various unique life situations as well. From Windsor, Ontario, Canada, welcome Dorothy to the It's a Wrap with Rap podcast. Thank you so much, Ronald, for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to get to know you. Oh, it's an honor to have you. Dorothy, let's start at the beginning. Uh, Where did you grow up and what were your, your early years like pertaining to your school years and describe your family life? Sure. I grew up in a small town called Essex, Ontario, which is not too far from where I am in Windsor right now. Okay. And uh, it's went from there to Tilbury, Ontario, which is even smaller. <laughs> I started there in grade two. And I, you know, I had this, I don't know if you called it an eating disorder. I wasn't eating. And then all of a sudden, so my parents took me to the doctors and they put me some on some medication, which made me eat. And I wish I had the antidote to that because since then, it's like I haven't been able to stop. Um so with that, you know, came the bullying from my peers at, in school and just really had uh, very low self-esteem growing up. And it was, you know, it was hell basically. And yeah, it's, I don't remember telling my parents too much about it because um, they were dealing with their own thing. You know, my parents, it seems like we're ill with one thing or another. My mom had uh, went undiagnosed 20 years with angina and lupus and my dad had a stroke very early in his 30s so it it was just like i guess you could say constant chaos but yeah. i mean we we came from a loving family like we all stuck together it was just it seemed like it was always one thing after another well let's talk about the challenges uh you have had to face and how they affected you and led uh, you to your all-time low and the need to find yourself so let's start out with um your parents' illnesses. You said, uh, I think your dad, uh, your mother had some heart issues and your dad had some, uh, did he have heart issues or I know? Yeah. Well, he had his first stroke at 30 and then they both had, they both had uh, diabetes as well. So, Uh you know, and my mom would be tired, couldn't figure out why she was always so tired. She'd come home from work and be on the couch and just really didn't have the energy. Um, Come to find out later that it was, you know, a heart condition that led her to that. She, and it's really weird. She has like a, an extra ventricle in her heart. So oh. it's enlarged and it's, yeah. there's an extra one there. Wow. So, I mean, she had a lot of different things going on and she's just, you know, constantly tired. So it, I felt like, you know, to overcompensate, I would be, you know, doing the chores, cooking, cleaning, things like that. And I guess you could say I grew up very quickly um, you know, taking care of everybody. And it, it feels like that's what I've spent my entire life doing has been taking care of other people. And so in, in, in other words, in other words, uh, they couldn't really do their parenting duties that much due to the illnesses. Yeah. 
yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I was cooking and cleaning at a very young age and yeah, very independent. <laughs> yeah. Now there was a family trauma, I understand. Uh, yes. My uncle took his life uh, 24 years ago, Christmas Day. Uh, he had a lot of different mental health issues, obviously, and um, had, had did something in his past that he, I guess, couldn't handle anymore. And yeah. uh, so he decided to take his life. He disappeared on Christmas Day, and we did not find the body until March of the following year. Wow. Uh, yeah. So it was, it was, it was nothing for him to pick up and leave. So at first we really didn't think anything of it. We just thought, you know, he was missing. And then we called the police after a little while. I don't even remember how long we, before we called the police and um, they found notes and things like that. So we knew that. And then, so we put out a plea obviously to the public to see if they had seen him. And um, some people had, said that they had saw a, a gentleman walk out to the marsh and the police were out there looking and they had found a coat and things like that, but um, the coat was wet. So it was a different color than when it wasn't. And so my dad's like, oh no, that's not my uncle's coat. And turned turn, turn out it was. My dad and I even had went looking out there around that area and where they found the body. If, if we would have took 10 more steps the other way and went into the marsh, she was like right there. Wow. Uh, so yeah, he, he drowned, uh, took some medication. So to numb it out and, and drowned is basically what had happened. And, um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that it's like, you never forget. Um, and for a long time, it devastated our family. Like it was, it was one of those things where at first we really didn't talk about it, you know, um, because we were afraid to, to talk about but back then my parents my grandparents were still alive and my my grandfather was completely devastated um and you know losing a child that way obviously you know does yeah. something to them so yeah it's I, and and that's why part of why I do this is to end the stigma of you know keeping quiet because we all I'm sure at one point or another have had thoughts of you know, maybe life would be better without me yeah. at certain points. So, yeah. yeah. Can you talk about, uh, you know, uh, among the illnesses and the trauma, the eating disorder, uh, there was an ab abusive relationship. Can you, can you talk about that challenge? Yeah, sure. So, you know, I didn't date until I was 25 years old. And uh, my dad kind of was joking and said, Oh, you know, you, you can't date until you're 21. And it's not like anybody wanted to be friends with the overweight girl anyways, or that's how it portrayed it to be. So I, <laughs> I fell for the first sudsucker that said, Hey, I love you, you know, wow. and uh, <laughs> 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 because, you know, having that low self esteem, thinking that you can't get any better and things like that. And so at first it was, like slowly controlling and it was slowly, um, you know, with, you know, basically his moods would basically how I would react or act to different things. And, you know, thinking, Hey, this is the first, first guy that's really taken an interest to me. Um, you know, I'll do everything in my power to keep him happy because that's what people with low self-esteem do. Right. Right. And, um, so yeah, I allowed myself to be in that relationship for four years. And it was, uh, I ended up moving in with him, not, 
I guess, well, wait a minute. We, we were together for a little while and then we broke up and then I went back, stupid me went back and then we moved in together. And that was, yeah, it was just like, as soon as I moved in, it was like completely again, different. And then, you know, trying to control you, trying to change you. I couldn't, if heaven forbid, if I changed my mind, then, you know, I was just, a piece of crap for changing my mind all the way to, and then they make you think that it's your fault. You know, well, if you would have done this, then, you know, I wouldn't have said that, or I wouldn't have snapped that and made you feel that you couldn't, you know, if you left, it's not like you were going to get anybody else or things like that. So it was one of those situations where it was, I I didn't really even know where to turn at certain points. The the funny thing is that we had some, um, friends that were couples. And I had never experienced that. You know, I never, I I had certain friends, but I didn't have couple friends and I loved his parents and his sisters. Like they were amazing. Um, so I, I had that part of it. So I thought, well, maybe it's not so bad. Maybe it's just all me. Um, so, you know, I played that game back and forth until I'm like, clearly this just isn't me. And I gave it my all and, you know, and I'm not saying I was perfect, you know, I take responsibility for some of the things that don't work out. But um, honestly, looking back now, I'm just like, why did I stay so long? Oh. And um, it's funny because I was working two jobs to support us. He would had been laid off. And even bringing up the thought of him even going to look for another job, he would just get enraged. And his dad tried to talk him into going to look for something else. And then he would snap at his dad. And so finally, I just, I got so fed up. I was basically surviving on four hours sleep a night between both jobs. And it was, it was and ha- insane. And having to walk on eggshells, right? And walking that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And having to walk on eggshells. Yeah. And then I lost my job. I lost the main job. The plant had closed. And so then I was no good to him anymore. Right. So then it, it turned into like a silent treatment. So for the last month of our relationship, it's like, you could have put, you could have put the great divide between us and, you know, and we barely talked. I would like to break away for a moment to tell you about a great course. Our podcast supporter, Doug No has developed titled developing emotional competency and advanced emotional competency sold as one combined item. Doug is an award-winning author, speaker, 22 year veteran trial lawyer, adjunct professor of law, peacemaker and mediator. Doug co-founded the award-winning Prison of Peace Project, in which he taught murderers and other violent criminals in maximum security prisons to be mediators and peacemakers with positive results. This course will teach you the nature of emotions, the abuse caused by emotional invalidation, and a powerful counterintuitive skill called affect labeling. When you complete the course and practice the skills learned, you will experience a profound transformation in your life. Who is the course for? Smart, ambitious, goal-oriented, get the job done, and pride in doing a good job people. But you are about to be verbally assaulted in a public space by your boss and you freeze. Someone on your team is being a jerk in a meeting and you don't know how to handle the situation. You can't get a word in edgewise with your boss or colleagues. You are not assertive enough or overly assertive and called nasty names. You work with an annoying person that just infuriates you. Your customers are angry and hostile at every turn. Work and personal situations can leave you emotionally drained. You might think something is wrong with you. After all, you are smart, you're educated, you earned your position through hard work. So why are you struggling with emotions? You should have mastered all this by now, right? Wrong. 
You have been disconnected from your emotions by your upbringing and training. You have been taught to suppress your emotions. They feel like enemies. Consequently, you haven't learned the skills necessary to be emotionally self-aware. This is why you don't always know how to manage your feelings. You were never taught emotional self-regulation other than to shove your emotions down where they couldn't be seen or felt. You are not alone. Everyone suffers from the same difficulties. This course will teach you step-by-step how to handle emotions in any situation. It is a set of techniques that will teach you to effectively respond to challenging interactions, create a new set of reactions to anger and hostility, to learn the power of emotional self-regulation and social power. You will use your emotions to get ahead in life, become a more powerful and confident leader, unlock the secrets of self-empowerment, become an emotionally self-aware human being, and enjoy greater freedom from emotional exhaustion. This is the first course that teaches emotional self-awareness. The combined course, which includes the basic and advanced course consisting of 23 lessons, sells regularly for $378. For our podcast listeners, by using the link provided in the podcast notes and using the code RONRAP when you enroll in the course, you will get a discount of $100 off the combined course, bringing the cost down to $278. That's about $12 a lesson. The course is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. If for any reason this course does not exceed your expectation, you can get a full refund anytime within 30 days after your purchase. If you have any issues, just get in touch with the friendly support team and they'll either help you out until you get the results you need or give you a swift refund. Again, all ordering information will be listed in the podcast notes and also uh, the course may be ordered on the podcast website. It's a wrap with wrap.com under the tab marked resources. Last month until finally I said, you know, what's your problem? Like, what did I do now? You know, why are you not talking to me? Oh, I'm not, I'm not happy. I want you to leave. I'm like, seriously? <laughs> now, what well, I didn't realize is I was, I was waiting till um, after Christmas. I, I had planned to leave, but I was going to wait till after Christmas because he had a son. So I was just like, okay, I'm not going to do this to his son, like a month before Christmas. But November 3rd is my freedom date. And I celebrate it. <laughs> it's my independence day. Yeah. And it's funny because that date comes around each year and what and I'm like, yay! <laughs> <laughs> Even though I'm happily married now, but that day comes around, it's like, yay! <laughs> it's like I got rid of the garbage. <laughs> you know, with with all the with the illnesses, the trauma, uh, the eating disorder, the, the low self esteem, the abusive relationship, did that lead to uh, a lot of loneliness on your part? Oh, absolutely. I grew up quite a bit uh, introvert and and lonely, lonely, and that is part of why I decided to come come clean and come clean meaning like share my story because I know what it's like to be quiet or to be alone and to have just your thoughts and growing up I didn't have a whole lot of friends and you know because no one wanted to be friends with me and I I really wasn't outgoing back then because you know for obvious reasons like at school it was like hell it wasn't pleasure so I and I, I did hang around with a couple different girls but like when people would say stuff to me, it's not like they would stick up. No so support. it was more, no, support. no support. So it was, you know, it was easier just to stick by myself, Oops. you know, put my head down, read a book is what I was doing. I would basically read a lot back then. So and so there's probably a lot of people out there that can relate to, to what you were going going through. Uh, how did you change 
your attitude and start speaking up for yourself. Uh, how long did it take you to work on yourself to get uh, inner healing? And, and did anyone help you? Did you have coaches or church counselors or did you just do it on yourself by yourself? Tell us how that happened. Oh, that's a great question because in that abusive relationship is where I found God and where I found uh, a support system. So I had joined a financial services company and this lady um, was heavily involved in our church. And she asked me, she invited me out to her church and invited me out to some networking events. <laughs> and she ultimately invited me to a Bible study in her home. So I, I attended all of that. And in our church at the time, they had what's called the Foster Prayer Ministry, um, who is facilitated by Ed Smith. So I decided to, you know, seek that. It was a free counseling service. Um, basically, it's like an inner healing type thing, getting your lie-based thinking to bring the truth to the lie-based thinking of what you what you're experiencing, and just really um, doing some inner healing work. And so it started there. And, you know, as well as within the, um, the Bible studies, it was also in there, uh, met some amazing women that were a great support system. Uh, I had a spiritual mother at the time that, you know, helped dig me her birthday and I are like three days apart, I think. So, um, she took me to this event. Uh, it was a Danny Johnson event and she is a Christian leader, um, motivational leader coach. And I went to that event and that's what had changed, started changing my life and thinking, okay, you know, get outside of myself. And I was to, to be truthful, Ronald, I was really like at my lowest. Like if, if right. somebody, if, if somebody would have said, you know, here's the gun, pull the trigger, there probably would have been that time that I probably would have done it. But I knew that that wasn't what was in my calling because I knew my uncle had, you know, took yeah. his life. And I wasn't going to do that for my nephews. And it's funny because I had a, I had a picture of the boys done uh, back when they were really young. And every time I thought like giving up, I would either look at the the picture on my wall, or I would have a visual in my head. And every time I wanted to give up, I would bring that picture to the forefront of my mind. And I knew that I could never do that. So um, I just decided no matter what I, from that moment on, it was nothing but personal development and getting myself out of the hole that I was in. And I would just would not stop. And th I'm not saying there were moments that, you know, I just kept to myself, Sure, sure. but I, I tried like every day to improve from the day before. And so after I went to that event, it, there was a guy there that was this big beefcake like this guy was handsome as handsome and he had a beautiful amazing fiance and um and this other friend her name is Suzanne and they both said to me your smile lights up the room if you could just get past being so bitter about this situation that I was yeah. in about leaving that uh, uh, relationship right you could change the world so in the back of my mind I'm thinking okay this big handsome dude just told me this and we became friends his name is Tommy we're still friends on Facebook and we keep in touch every once in a while he was uh, a football coach for um, a college football team in Ohio and uh, a beach body coach so um well Tommy gave you hope <laughs> didn't he 
Yes. Tommy gave me hope. And I thought, you know, right. if Tommy could say this to me, because Tommy right. actually um, was a big guy before, like he, he was, oh, I don't even know how much his heaviest weight was, but he lost a lot of weight and he had this, the same self-esteem issues that I had. So I thought if Tommy can do this, I can do this. So, you know, right. keeping that too in the back of my mind. So I had lots of positive re reinforcements. And then it just seemed like as I got through each section, it's like God had put me in the direction of somebody else that I needed, you know, to get me to the next level and to get me to the next level. And um, last year I found this woman, her name is uh, Jennifer Sahari. And I was trying to get on somebody's podcast. And this woman that had the podcast said, you need to speak to Jen Sahari. And Jen Sahari um, was put into my life to bring seven other incredible women into my life that has transitioned me all last year, getting me through um, my dad's cancer and cancer scare and his death to, and which was devastating. Almost took me out again, but didn't. I just kept going, putting one foot in front of the other, right. you know, and just, just really being a support. Um, and those ladies that we, we meet Saturday mornings, they're just a, an amazing support. So I encourage you that if you're going through something, reach out to somebody that Absolutely. is not going to let you stop because, right. you know, th and that's the whole, that's the you whole can't, point. You, you can't do it alone. No. Uh, and this, this podcast is, was set up to give people hope. So people yeah. out there listening to this are listening to your story and they may have there might be a lot of people out there with similar stories and hopefully we can reach some of them. Exactly. And, and that, that, that's always, that's always been my goal. And, and, you know, it's just amazing how you said uh, that you met these people. And I always say uh, on the podcast, don't say, why is this happening to me? Say, mm -hmm. why is this happening for me? Mm -hmm. And if you, if you have that attitude, even though something may be negative, mm -hmm. there's going to be a positive to it. And that, that's what Absolutely. I've always found. A door is going to open if you, if yes. you, if you stay positive. Uh, you talk about self-care. Uh, what led you to uh, discover the power of self-care? And tell us uh, about your concept of self-care and any tips for the audience out there about it. Sure. So basically, as you can tell from my life story that I've shared so far, my life has always been about caring for others and um, putting everybody else before myself. Yeah. And I've always done that until my dad was diagnosed with cancer three years ago. And with where he was having his treatments, we were, um, the family was allowed a counselor if they so choose. And I thought, okay, I've been through a lot in my life. I've gotten myself out of every hole that I've ever gotten into. But I felt like this, my dad was my hero and my dad was my go-to. If I needed anything, I called my dad on my way home every day from work. I would call my dad. Like my dad was my sounding board and I had just gotten engaged and then he got cancer. Uh, so, and of course, you know, getting married late in life. The only thing I really wanted was to make sure that my family was around me and yeah. especially to have my dad give me away. So I decided to take advantage of the counselor um, that was at the cancer clinic 
And one of the first questions she asked me is, what is your self-care like? And I laughed at her and I said, what are you talking about? I don't <laughs> what, have time. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm just newly engaged. I'm trying to plan a wedding. My dad just got diagnosed with cancer. Work is like horrendously busy and stressful as heck. Um, you know, so I don't have time for self-care. Plus I have um, a stepson too that I was helping um, at the time, like, when he was here, I was hoping with his care. I'm like, I just don't have it. I take care of the house myself. This, this, I don't have it. She goes, well, you're going to have to find time or you're going to be dead within a year because you are just, you are on all full cylinders. And then, you know, you just got this news and really how can you help your dad get through this? If you yourself are burnt out. Right. So she had, I had like a session a week with her um, until unfortunately she was moved to a different hospital. So I lost my, I lost my sounding board, but she did give me a bunch of tools and those tools were basically, um, you know, meditation and finding time for yourself. And just really, if you can't time, if you can't find an hour in your day for yourself, then you really have more problems than what you really thought. And, you know, just driving home those things. And, you know, when you get into that pit of anxiety or depression, because they're going to hit no matter what, like life always constantly throws you something. Yeah, we're human. Be prepared for it. Right. Yeah, Right. So for myself, um, you know, so I've become like the world's biggest self-care advocate because, you know, I went from having nothing to forcing myself to have at least an hour a day for myself. Okay. So for my, for me, I get up. Yes, I do get up early. I get up at four. I do some kind of workout. I do my meditation. And then I always, I do five to 10 gratitudes, something I'm grateful for, because if you start your day up with gratitude, it sets your day and sets your entire day for, for more of it. Right. Sure. Um, And I've also just incorporated three wins. So what were my wins for the day? And then what are my, what am I going to set up my wins for tomorrow? You know, so I'm constantly making sure that I'm in a constant winning mode is, is what I've set my, my life up to be. And, um, you know, if I don't get those three things done, what did I learn from it? Because learning from it is also a win. So constantly looking at your life as a a win instead of like, Oh crap, you know, here we go again. Right. Positivity, 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 positivity. Absolutely. And, you know, Ron, (laughs) a couple of years ago, my husband's like, well, what do you want to do for your birthday? I'm like, I want a giant water balloon fight. So (laughs) yes, 43 years old, we're out in my backyard and we had a family water balloon fight. Now my husband's got 19 people in his family. So it's not a small family and we're out there and we're having fun. Everybody at first thought you're insane. Like you're insane but everybody had fun. And then afterwards they thanked me for it. So, sure. <laughs> you know, do something that you love. I love dancing. Even if it's putting your earbuds in and dancing around the kitchen, who cares if you look like an idiot, like who You're cares? You're enjoying yourself. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Now we, we talked about, uh, before we went on the air about your mentoring people, uh, how do you, how, how do you go about mentoring others to have your mindset, uh, to help others and take up that uh, that overcomer attitude and expand on, on what, what, what is the overcomer attitude that you, that you teach or your mentor? Right. So basically um, how I do that is I also have 
I do it in a couple of different ways. So I, I usually daily, I do like a motivational or inspirational video. So that is always on my social media channels. Um, you know, whatever God puts on my heart is what I talk about. And if there's no video that day, then he's telling me to be silent. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, so I do that as well as I believe everybody has a story. So yes, I wrote my book. I wrote my, my life story about how I overcome, but I also believe that each one of us has a story and I believe our lives are 100% connected to other people. So if we stay silent, we could actually be doing a disservice to somebody else. And that's why I am really huge on talent on getting people's stories out there. So there's three things I do. I have a a Monday night show. uh, It's called the unstoppable overcomers, which I have other amazing overcoming overcomers on the show that share their story. And then they share how they've overcome, but also how they help others to overcome because I'm a big proponent of giving back. I'm constantly giving back to my community and things like that. The second thing is I, I wanted to give back to the business owner because I believe that, um, you know, sometimes business can be tricky and, and, and things like that. And not everybody is 100%. I, I, I say we should just all collaborate and, and do be this together is what I think, but that's not how everybody thinks. So I have a Wednesday show called power half hour unstoppable business owner, which highlights and showcases a business owner. They have to, you know, tell me what they do, three things that they have overcome to get them to where they're at in business. And three things they help their business owner or their client overcome. Um, and then it's just like a conversation like we're having right now. But I, I just wanted to give back and just highlight these amazing business people that are out there hitting the pavement. And, you know, they can advertise on my show. That's one one thing they can do, but not necessary if they don't want to. And another thing I do is because I'm an author, I know what it's like to, you know, you write your book and then what's next. Right. So by the time this show airs, I will be doing book reviews and helping those authors get the word out about their stories, their books. Uh, So I'll be doing book reviews. There's be different packages where they can go from just putting it on my website to actually having a professional um, interview done with them, promoting and highlighting them and their books. So that's awesome. Well, thank you. So, yeah, I, I've thought of everybody from the average ordinary Joe to the business owner to to the author. And my believe it or not, Ron, this is my ultimate dream is to have my shows syndicated and to be on national television for the world to see, because wow. I truly believe that this is what the world needs. The world doesn't need more Maury Povich. Not that that's a bad show, but. I think the world needs more positivity. So I'm also getting together a pitch to get onto national syndicated. Wow. uh, That sounds great. That sounds great. Dorothy, what sparked your interest or desire to write your book and open up to being vulnerable and public about your life? And what inspired you to write your story, The Overcomer? And was it hard for you to write it or did it just spew out or with no problem or, or was it, or was it hard? How, How did that go? Sure. So basically, you nailed it when you said, you know, did my life feel alone back when I was growing up? And absolutely. 
And even as a, even as an adult, it was lonely. Like I took 10 years of my life after leaving that abusive relationship to really find who I was again. Yes, I wanted to be married, but I also wanted to make sure that I didn't spew anything that I had left over onto, you know, a, a future husband. So I had been uh, just randomly talking to a friend and I said, you know, I should write my life story. And she says, you absolutely should. And I'm like, but who's going to read it? And so God had been on me for five years to write this book. So, and I wanted to write it because I wanted people to know that they were not alone in their yeah. circumstances and that there were somebody else that had gone through it. And if I could go through it, so could they. And so the pandemic hit. And so God's like, okay, girl, you've got an extra hour. You don't have to drive to work anymore. So yeah. I, I, it was actually in three months, the book was written and, wow. it, and it wasn't really, it was more like a <clears throat> therapy um, because I had went back through some journals when norm, I journal a lot, but normally I never go back. I, I don't believe in looking at the past. I believe in just going forward. So for me to look in my journals is very rare that I do that. And I don't know. I think it's because my dad always said, you know, if we forget something, I'm never turning back. You know, if we right. he was, he hated going back when we were driving. So I think I had that stuck in my mind is quick. Don't go back, just go forward. And um, so it was kind of, it was therapeutic, you know, getting all that out there. Like I, I talk about my relation, my abusive relationship. I talk a little bit about my uncle. I talk about my parents and their illnesses. You know, I talk about meeting my husband. Um, so Dorothy, I, this sounds like it was pretty cathartic. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah that's it, great. And, and also to put a positive spin on it, because if I can find happiness, anybody can find happiness really. <laughs> <laughs> how did your how did your family react to the book i mean they're in the book so what was their reaction yeah. to this? well to tell you the truth i really didn't even tell them i was writing it until it was already written oh really and then I, my editor's like you really gotta talk to your parents because i had uh i went into depth in depth when my mom had her heart surgery yeah. and she's just she's like just so that you know your mom can't come back on you you really gotta tell her <laughs> and I was like, okay. So my my parents were like, okay. And I said, do I have your permission? Because I had to get them to sign off on on some things. And my mom, I said, I'm doing it to help others. So then that was my, the censure. My parents were like, yeah, okay, fine. You know, as long as it will help somebody else, then yeah, I guess yeah. then that's it. That's a good line, Dorothy. <laughs> you can't lose with that line. <laughs> Dorothy, is there another is there another book in the works? You, yeah, I, I look at you and I, I see a lot of a lot of energy. Is there another yes. book in the works? Yes, as a matter of fact, it's funny that you say that because not too many people know, but I do have what's called the Overcomer Playbook coming out. Uh, uh, right now is at the um is at the editors getting just like the design and the cover and all that. Um, so I hope to have that out very soon. Okay. By the time this hits, it will probably be out. All right. Uh, the book is a reflection of your life experiences. What do you hope the readers take away from reading the book? I hope that they take that no matter what, not to give up okay. and that they are never alone in their circumstance and to keep going. Like just keep putting one foot in front of the other. There were days, honestly, Ronald, I can tell you that I would have to breathe deeply every minute until I went to bed but then when I woke up it was better the next morning every time I woke up 
it seemed like, you know, I woke up with a solution, you know, and, yeah. and just pray your way through it because, you know, nothing happens without him. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Where can people buy the book? Uh, you can definitely get it on Amazon or on my website, unstoppableovercomers.com. Okay. And we're, we're, we're going to put this information in the podcast notes for everybody out there. Uh, you offer the Overcomer Academy. Can you tell us about that? What's involved with it? What, what are the things offered? And I, I'm assuming it's virtual. Yes. Well, that's funny that you asked that because I, so the Academy in my, how God's vision was, it was supposed to be in a, in a school and it was supposed to help the homeless. It was supposed to help women that had been abused. It was supposed to be some kind of you know, financial services, help for people who needed it. It was supposed to be basically anything that you could need help for. It was supposed to be all in this one place. Well, I got has expanded it to be more like a virtual thing because I'm, it's what I'm doing now is not really inside of a school. What I'm doing is too big to be inside of a school. So right. it's like, I'm involved with the homelessness in my community. I'm involved with uh, cancer um, different cancer organizations. Uh, I belong, I'm helping a friend with a fundraiser for LLS, but I'm also planning on having a uh, golf tournament in my dad's honor closer to October. Uh, so I, I'm doing that. Plus I'm also working with veterans um, on my show. We have that we've had several different uh, veterans and first responders um, and they are huge in my heart because I mean, a lot of my family members have either gone through cadets or through um, the armed forces or, or a combination of both. And I always, um, my heart is always with them and their families. So my mission is to get their mission to be number one. So we're actually working right now with a veteran and his organization called Camaraderie Rescue Mission Coffee Exchange. Um, so we are also selling coffee, uh, and half the proceeds go back to helping a veteran. And then the other half goes to us so that we could, you know, enhance the show and, and do things like that. Um, but yes, uh, so we're, we're doing that and there's going to be more added, um, you know, working with with abused women and things like that, that will come as I expand and I'm working, we're working with another first responder who will be on the show in a couple of weeks, build his organization and his organization is, is huge. And he is going to be dealing with uh, fellow police officers. So we're, we're going to be working with him, getting, helping people to overcome PTSD is basically every Every one of those episodes is the common denominator is helping with PTSD and mental health issues, um, because there is a lot of that going on right now, especially, you know, with the pandemic and things like that, that has happened. Right. So let's, let's get, let's get them the help they need so that we can help others as well is basically the gist of it. So Dorothy, you're, you're doing a lot. And uh, when you say us and we, do you have some help or, or are you doing this all by your lonesome? I do have a business partner, uh, Kimberly Genovese. And okay. so she, yeah, she and her and I are like kind of, <laughs> we're a force to be reckoned with. If you think I have energy, she has just about as much okay. energy. Because I was getting a little worried. I mean, you, you may need a little more self-care if you're doing yeah. this all by yourself. 
No, 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 no. I have an amazing business partner that helps me and keeps me on track. Okay, um, good, yeah, because I do have a full time job too. But oh wow. Yeah, I, I, I'm hoping that things start turning around and I can just focus on what I need to focus on instead of the job. Dorothy, what excites you going forward with your work? What excites you the most? My excitement is in helping others. So I know that we're on, okay, so we're on a path to create 1 million people being free from fear, from whatever stopping them to getting to where they want to be in life. So, and when I think of the future, I think of this giant production company that we are in the works of creating that are going to help these people share their story to the masses so you got to start small to get big so we're starting small to go big and that excites me it excites me to know that millions of people's lives will be transformed that's what excites me that's great Dorothy please leave us with some last minute words of wisdom for our audience out there uh definitely never give up you know, find your why and keep it in front of you like a carrot. Uh, reach out to people for help. Surround yourself with amazing, incredible people that will not let you give let you get up on yourselves, for sure. Okay. Definitely. Definitely good advice. Where can people contact you, Dorothy? Uh, you can definitely contact me on LinkedIn. Uh, is I is my number one place. It's, is where I'm at all the time. Uh, Dorothy and Gray Model and Facebook, I'm on there, uh, Dorothy Grammodel, and my website, unstoppableovercomers.com as well. Okay, you said LinkedIn was Dorothy M. Graham Odell? Dorothy Ann. So Dorothy and then A-N-N. Ah, okay. Dorothy Ann Graham Modell. Yeah. And Facebook is Dorothy Graham Modell. Yes. And the website is unstoppableovercomers.com. For everybody out there listening, that's all going to go into the podcast notes so you don't have to take notes right now. Thank you so much, Dorothy, for being on the podcast, for sharing your story, and for giving us your insights into the work you are doing to help as many people as you possibly can. Your work is originating from above. It is truly a godsend, and I wish you all the good fortune and success in the world going forward. Comments and suggestions to improve the podcast, you can email me at it's a wrap with rap at gmail.com. We have a Facebook page and a Facebook group. Our group is growing very well. We're almost up to 800 people. Uh, that's it's a wrap with rap. Instagram, it's a wrap with rap podcast. All the episodes are on YouTube. It's a wrap with rap, the podcast uncut. Thanks everyone for listening. Please stay safe. And for now, it's a wrap. <laughs>